This is one of the best times of the year uh, for many sports fans. NCAA March Madness. So many games that you never know what's going to happen. You could see an 11 seed in the final four, like with uh, my hometown Loyola Ramblers. You got to be ready for whatever the next round brings and make sure your fridge isn't empty by halftime. Swing by Walmart before every round is stocking up on Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, Powerade, and Power Zero, my personal favorite. NCAA March Madness isn't just one game. It's a whole tournament. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart to pick up Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. All right, well, Welcome on to a Tuesday night edition here. We're going to continue our Young Players Series with the Atlantic Division. A lot of interesting young prospects, of course, in this division. And why don't we start with the 51 and 23 Boston Celtics. So just to catch you up on where they are fundamentally, they are 5-2, and two, despite the fact that Kyrie Irving, I believe, has missed every single one of those games. Uh, their 4.6 net rating per cleaning the glass in non-garbage time is fourth in the NBA. They sport the 16th ranked offense and still the first overall defense amazingly considering that utah has been so good of late but they certainly were not when rudy gobert was out and they're projected to finish second in the east with 56 wins and who would you like to start with danny well it's i mean you could go with brown or tatum in either order let's start with jalen brown he has a little bit more nba experience by virtue of this being his second year this is his age 21 season per basketball reference for those who are new to this that's the age we're using that is not necessarily yeah. the age they are right now yeah. age but age on February 1st is what that is. Right. February 1st of that league year. And it's a good one because that stays the same and all the, you know, at at any other point. And Brown, I would say this year has been a positive one for him. There were elements that looked better, you know, earlier, but overall better shooting, you know, 38% from three right now, as opposed to 35 last year. That's a nice improvement. Looking more comfortable defensively, more comfortable with the ball in his hands. And I think it's clear to see his place on a good team because he has a place on a good team yeah that's been the case and you always wonder how different his development might have been i imagine that the spot up shooting the defense wouldn't be as good if you're on another team that he would have more facility working in pick and roll off the dribble if you were on a, another team and be interesting to see as we go forward here who really matures into being the second option off the dribble you think it's probably more likely to be jason tatum he's a little more polished than brown is uh certainly the three-point shooting has been encouraging for Braun. You always wonder, especially with his free throw shooting, which has not really gotten a ton better, how realistic that actually is. But certainly he's more aggressive shooting the three and shooting at a higher percentage, getting his shot off more quickly. Uh, So that's all really encouraging. His development into being a a guy now with a pretty high floor due to his role-playing potential is good. Three things really, to me, stick out as needing improvement if he's really going to get to be a star player. Number one is defensively, I think he's very solid against smaller players. He's got quick feet, but he just has no idea how to use his body whatsoever in the post when guys try to go at him who who have size, despite the fact that Braun obviously is very strong physically, at least in terms of how his body looks. He just, you know, provides no resistance in the post. He'll foul, he'll reach in, he'll just get spun off of, get leaning the wrong way. So that's one thing. Number two, passing the ball, just not really something that he has been asked to do a ton of, uh, but it hasn't shown really any kind of vision at all. And then last, actually, surprisingly for a guy of his athletic gifts, is his finishing around the rim has been surprisingly poor. And I think that's something that he can really improve on pretty easily. You know, he misses a lot of shots where it's like surprising to see that he missed it. You know, he'll get good separation. He'll get to the rim. He'll jump out of the gym and then just kind of gank the lap. And I'm hoping 
hopeful that you know the quality of those looks that he's able to get at the rim are, are pretty good i'm hopeful that he can improve on that uh and the defense the passing you know that might be a little more something that it could be hard for him it is somewhat encouraging last year's one of the things that concerned me was his dunk rate was incredibly low he had less than one less than half of one per game he had 30 dunks in 78 games that's closer to one per game now 50 and 63 games as we're recording this but considering brown's athleticism i think that could be over over one a game even though he doesn't take a ton of shots i mean he's up at right now per 100 possession let's do 36 minutes that's probably better 13 shots per 36 minutes which is i think the usage rate that he has on the celtics this year is fine i think that's kind of about what he's going to be and that again ties in with the idea that maybe brown won't be a star but i like him in that role and something you you alluded to earlier but i think it's even in a different way is i think he benefits in terms of his overall perception a lot from being on the celtics because when i watch brown i don't see a player who if you gave him like devin booker's responsibilities with the ball in his hands taking a lot more shots i'm not saying they're the same caliber of shooters or the same strength but i think that scaling brown up wouldn't necessarily be pretty i think it would be more like what happened to trevor reza the first time he was on i think that was the rockets before he went to new orleans well yes it was the rockets no i do not agree with you uh, on that Uh, i think brown people he turns it over a fair amount on on his dribble attacks but he has a lot of creativity with his handle and i think if that can be harnessed both in the pick and roll and then in transition or or in isolations that you know he does have that potential that's what i like from i I don't think that he's going to get there i think you know it's more likely at best that maybe tops out as more of kind of like a harrison barnes s score who's not really creating that much uh, for others although i I think barnes of the better jump shot but i do think that brown with his physical abilities especially if he gets the switch there's going to be a lot of times where he's going to be guarded by smaller players he can get into the post he he can iso he's got the ability to rise up with the jump shot they run a lot of quick hitting post cut type of plays for him uh, that he's able to be effective on so i think he does have the ability to be a more versatile scorer it's just a question of you know is he going to be able to create for others as well and you know i I think we just don't really know where he'd be if he was asked to be kind of an every down guy putting the ball in his hands running a lot of pick and rolls or a a lot of isos you know my inclination is he probably wouldn't be that efficient right now but he's got more ball skills than i think a lot of people give him credit for it's just does the whole package and the feel come together for him you know that's where i i really question it but i do think he has the potential if that part comes around i agree with you that his ball skills are better but i don't think they are so good that they really create that much more it's it's a benefit in terms of the team concept especially if he can shoot well enough the team the opponents have to close out hard on him one other small piece i want to praise Jalen brown for this year and last year he just doesn't take many long twos it's a a brad stevens thing to a point depending on certain players you know like he Jalen brown's distribution of shots is almost exactly where i would want it and ideally the percentages would go up i mean we talked about the rim if he could be you know this level or a little bit better on threes would be would be great but getting that part right at age 22 or 21 is a very positive thing smooth to tatum now he was 19 as of february 1st i think he just turned 20 uh, i want to say and for tatum the three-point shooting has been the big star still at 43 percent on the season despite a a recent dip not a huge huge volume guy uh, at this point uh he is someone who i think has shown more passing skills i mean if you go back to for example that drive and kick he had to marcus morris to hit that three that beat okc last week he is a little bit more comfortable being close to a number 
number one option still a lot of that is creating open or i shouldn't say open but uh semi-contested one twos he is able with his footwork to get pretty good separation on those plays i mean if you said hey uh, all we're allowed to shoot is long twos he would be one of the more valuable players in the league so he's able to create pretty decent looks there although the iso numbers are not incredible you know he's right about league average in terms of his iso percentage uh what have you thought of him defensively i think he's been solid but unspectacular the celtics need him to be at that level or better and tatum has delivered i don't see that many wow plays from him but generally doesn't get blown by that much and you know when he when he helps it's not oh my god he's gonna get that huge recovery block that he has a couple of times this season and the celtics have been able to make that work for them and it's it's surprising and impressive that boston's defense is i mean we talked about it in the fundamentals they're number one in the league when they don't have that true you know like lockdown center type guy or what especially now that marcus smart has been out that perimeter shutdown player and they've really relied on a team concept and doing so with a 19 year old is miles ahead of where most guys his age are and i think that's an important part of it but i don't look at tatum and see a player who will be a you know like a lockdown defender i see him as a useful positive defender by the way jason tatum actually leads this team in minutes uh as a 19 year old uh he's the only one basically on this team who hasn't been hurt at one point or another this season other than maybe uh rosier uh but rosier has, has been mostly in a backup role interestingly actually uh, yeah go ahead, sorry. one of the key differences between brown and tatum that i think could could bode well for tatum moving forward is that he nails his free throws and he did in college as well he was 85 percent his, his year at duke 82 percent this year his free throw rate is is, is solid I, I i'm happy with that number where it is now if his usage ramps up then you would want him to to get to the line a little bit more but that provides a, a greater comfort that the jumper is maybe not this legit but that it is you know the, uh, his expected value on threes has really risen for me even if i don't think he he will be a 42 43 percent three-point shooter g- moving forward but even if it's 38 to 40 that would be massive and uh, that that'd be massive for him and for the celtics actually interestingly enough tatum has a lower assist rate than jalen brown or they're both in the single digits and, and part of that is an artifact of how they play too by the way because so much runs through al horford at the elbows he's he's uh al is one of the higher assist rates that you'll ever see among a big guy at 24.5 percent this season um for tatum i think is he gonna be i mean the question is the ceiling now right is he gonna be really your absolute number one option i i think he projects as someone who can be i've talked about him for a while as kind of an evolutionary joe johnson offensively a guy who'll create a, a fair number of long twos but is a little bit more athletic a little bit longer can get to the rim a little bit more than someone like joe we'll see whether he can become the shooter that joe was in his career uh but he's off to a good start there especially considering his age so i think you know tatum another guy very high floor player do i expect him to shoot 40 percent on threes every year maybe not but i think you know like you i've come around to the idea that he can be in the high 30s for his career he's looked more comfortable above the break whereas in the summer he was really more comfortable just from the corners so he's made some really nice improvements and again another guy who i wonder how we'd be talking about him if he were on another team you know in the devin booker role as opposed to being a support player you know he's only got 19 percent usage brown only 21 percent at this point but he, he is in a nice ecosystem to 
succeed even with their uh, because he plays with Horford he does start uh, for this team so that's that helps him uh, to you know I think he'd be much less efficient obviously 59% true shooting this year uh were it not for the fact that he's in on this Boston team um anything else on him or should we move on one thing just briefly I think is is fascinating considering the Celtics split is that on basketball reference which doesn't filter out garbage time Tatum's field goal percentage around the rim is 62% and on cleaning the glass it's 58% and that difference is pretty significant for a player who is you know a 3-4 yeah and then neither of those percentages are amazing you know they're, they're solid right but uh not spectacular uh, his numbers as a pick and roll ball handler are pretty good you know I'd like to see more of that from him as well he's got uh 108 points on 92 possessions as a pick and roll ball handler. again that's a small sample don't go crazy with it but he has had some success there a lot of that is when he takes a, a jumper off the dribble out of pick and roll he's at 1.5 points per possession so that's obviously an unsustainable number there uh almost in an empty gym <laughs> basically i mean you're almost hitting uh 75 of your shots there uh if since most of those are twos uh or yeah he's actually at uh 66 percent of his shots i'm sorry so let's move on to marcus smart out currently with a thumb injury has played more as a backup point guard this year his playmaking has been good i've liked what he's been able to do on post-ups against smaller guards as well uh, and then passing out of the post i think he's been solid uh i think he has really regressed in his shot selection from downtown and the jumper has not come around and, and i think we don't need to spend that much time on his defense because i mean it's just he's already one of the absolute best in the league uh especially i mean unless he gets someone you know basically anyone below lebron size in terms of size and strength you know he's really a plus option even against most threes but cert- certainly twos and then even ones i think you know he might even be better than his departed comrade uh, avery bradley uh, at all those positions at this point yeah i'm not going to argue with that and smart's competitiveness also makes him switches and as we've talked about i mean the narrative with this shifted to a degree with draymond green a player's height is a lot less relevant than their functional height and strength in terms of those switch matchups and and smart can do a really good job the fundamental question with him is can smart create enough offensive value to stay on the floor when those best players are there and one stat that i always like on cleaning the glass is it's points per shot attempt so basically it's trying to measure you know so including when when guys go to the line how productive are they on that and marcus smart is in the 13th percentile for wings at basically less than a point per shot attempt and he is capable as a passer i liked when he you know some of the stuff they ran offensively with him early in the season but if opponents can basically just stay miles away from him it totally changes the viability of smart as a playoff player which we've seen a little bit in the last couple runs for the celtics and we probably will see this year yeah well he keeps shooting enough that you know one out of every four games maybe he'll make five three-pointers because that shot is available to him but even he doesn't he takes a lot of tough shots that aren't even you know late clock or, or aren't uncontested um you know i think his usage is really higher than it should be granted he's had to be the centerpiece of some very limited dribble creation units but turning it over 22 percent of the time out of the pick and roll that's really ugly he i was totally wrong about his athleticism i thought that he would be a guy who could really get to the foul line and finish at the rim when i saw him in college that is not translated in the slightest he's really shoots poorly around the rim maybe he has come in in better shape this year uh but you know that hasn't translated a ton uh and then you know shooting anything off the dribble you know along to him I mean, when he's running pick and roll he's running it to pass basically and when he has is forced to take the shot he's not really able to be that effective so uh, certainly a rare type of player one who i think is valuable particularly in the regular season i am of the 
the belief now that his offensive limitations are high enough that he really just can't mature into being you know a, a starting point guard because just the shot the finishing around the rim the explosion i just don't think it's going to be there i mean he seems like you know someone who because of his offensive limitations is destined to be a bench player uh if a very good one for his career the fundamental question along those lines with marcus smart is yeah he's better with the ball in his hands because he isn't a good shooter and takes too many shots when he's off ball but i don't think he's good enough with the ball in his hands to justify doing so and that's a really hard challenge i've been talking about that a little bit with brandon ingram where brandon ingram it's more of an open question with marcus smart i think we have a clearer answer on it but he's so good defensively make that work and you know maybe if you can if you're fortunate enough and certain teams boston might even be this way where he can be your number five offensive option you know if you can play a center especially a center who can space the floor maybe it can be tolerable if he can really shut down but one of the big problems is around the league and this isn't a surprise is that the best wings are on the real big side and the 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 few players that marcus smart can have some trouble with are exactly the the players who have that leverage like sure he could be very useful in a series against demar Derozan or somebody like that but the absolute best teams aren't there and it's a shame that we're probably not going to get to see maybe maybe in like next year theoretically a harden smart series because that would be the most interesting one because he's that star too but that would be a challenge for smart and we saw how crazy that game was with those guys earlier in the year terry rozier at 23 has played well in the absence of kyrie irving i believe he's averaging about 19 points a game in this most recent stint without him a guy that we talked about in the point guard rankings i think you know generally celtics fans are a little higher on him than we are the biggest thing that's been encouraging about him is the development of his jump shot which was not a strength coming out of school uh i think defensively he is uh, above average to be sure though not really quite big enough to be a switch guy but certainly a, a guy who can pressure up his athleticism has good length uh one of the better rebounding point guards uh, as well on both ends he'll even get some offensive rebounds uh, at times i think the biggest limitations for him right now uh, i think he's gotten to the point where you probably don't want to go under on him on the pick and roll which is solid but when he gets to the rim but we noted that his finishing is uh lonzo bali and I, I forget who it was we said about that about a couple days ago uh i think he's at or under 50 percent finishing at the rim we did a, a long piece on him as well and then uh the distribution really has not been there again you know the way they use their bigs you don't need that quite as much but to be a, a starting point guard you know maybe he can become more of kind of a george hill type ultimately but not a guy who has quite that level of length or size to check uh, some of the bigger twos so another guy who i think is and these are some of the hardest guys to peg in restricted free agency as well day much like smart i think rosier has looking like he's going to have a career as a very solid backup but has some limitations that are difficult to improve i think his limitations are not as hard to improve as smart you know finishing at the rim passing you know those are things you can get better at more um because rosier is at least athletic getting to the room where smart isn't really doesn't really have the explosion i think he has the tools uh, to get better and the passing but uh, for right now I, I'm thinking him as more as kind of a, a high-end backup, a Corey Joseph kind of level of point guard, you know, start in a pinch for you, maybe close some games with another point guard, but probably not your every down starter. I don't really have any argument with that. And as you said, players who are not, do don't inspire that kind of real love are major problems in restricted free agency because especially now that it's narrower, I think 19 will be more flush than 18, but still nothing close to 2016 or anything like that. And so you basically need to be a priority and that team needs to strike out on other pieces because the way restricted free agency works, you're going to have to have the money on July 6th 
in order to really make it work. And so that will be a challenge for Rozier. I'm sure Boston would love to have him back at a reasonable price, especially considering the perils of not having quality point guard play, but assuming Kyrie Irving resigns, which is still, you know, and it's still unsure because he hasn't actually resigned. That'll be a consideration there. I think we should move on just briefly to talk about some of the other Celtics guys. I've really enjoyed Daniel Tice this year. This is his age 25 season. I think of Tice as a part of a team center rotation, probably not the key piece, but in that 10 to 15 minutes a game, he could compete. He can hit some open shots, set some screens. And at the minimum for next year, non-guaranteed until I think some point in July, and then restricted after that, which will be after his age 26 season, the Celtics have really good position with him. And then even though Boston, you know, they probably want another, you know, somebody in the Aaron Baines role, whether it's Baines or somebody else, having Tice is a big advantage for them because it's those minutes that can be counted for and that don't cost a lot of money. Yeah, I think Tice, uh, as long as he comes back okay from this meniscus surgery, I would feel okay with him as a backup center. Now, his shooting has fluctuated. You know, he was he got up pretty high there, but then you know he's down to 31% now total on the year, 18 out of 58. So it was able to hit the three okay in Europe with the shorter line. His finishing around the rim has been solid. Higher offensive rebound rate maybe the, than you might expect, uh, 11%. And decent mobility. So, I mean, he he's a perfect example. I and mean, it was a great find to just get him for the minimum out of Europe. But yeah, I see him as, you know, maybe he's not your only backup center or maybe they still have, you know, kind of that more bruiser type to protect Al Horford from those matchups at the start of games. And, and Tice isn't quite that guy. But yeah, as a bench center, you know, it's kind of a, a Mavs bench center as you think about it. Uh, you know, he's been able to run the offense through the elbows the way the Celtics like to as well. A really nice find there at 25 you know i'm i don't think he's ever going to be a starting level player semi ojale i've referred to him as the brick shithouse i mean he is just guys just bounce off him i mean he's one of just the, the biggest strongest players in the nba for his position uh moves his feet pretty well but that's really kind of where the positives have ended for him this season he is in it has been an intensely negative scorer this year i'd be shooting 30 percent on threes 36 percent in the in the restricted area is a and that 36% in the restricted area is the best anywhere because he's in the, you know, in the 30s and, and at 25% on long twos. So not providing a lot of value there, certainly not a great passer at this point and turning the ball over way too much. His turnover percentage is 10%. And when you think about that, so his assist to turnover rate is just appalling. And Ojale at age 23, certainly time for skill development can, the Celtics can, and, and that's where you throw all, all of your development energy on Ojale is to the offensive end because his defense is getting there. But but it's going to take a lot for him to move out of that kind of, you know, break glass in case of emergency defender type role. Don't need to spend much time on Gershon. You have a Sele, uh, who really is, has done little. Is not the few times they tried him in a rotation spot. It, it hasn't worked. Just haven't really seen much from him at all. I mean, another one of these guys defensively who's stuck between the four and the five. And maybe there's some hope that he could become you know, a bench big, uh, but hasn't shown much yet. And then uh, Abdel Nader, who they brought up from Maine this year, a guy guy who at the G League level is capable of getting to the basket off the dribble the three-pointer has looked a little wonky from him only a 5.6 PR and then defensively where you know he has the size he I in some of the games that I've seen he's really just looked totally lost made a lot of weird mistakes uh so probably not a guy you're you're counting on developing into a rotation player kind of kind of a 4A type of player in terms of like his ball skills that aren't really 
you know gonna translate as much to the nba from the g league and then doesn't do the role player stuff well enough at this point uh all right we'll get to philly next which is going to be another fascinating one but first this uh, from your mechanic as someone with a predilection for old sports cars in my life i wish that your mechanic had been around at various times because sitting around in the waiting room of a repair shop is awful how are you supposed to get there when the whole reason you're there is because your car is in the repair shop and it probably wasn't even running uh your mechanic.com takes that away they actually come to your house or your office and do work on your car for you they can replace it your brake pads do basic maintenance and they give you a quote up front it's the actual price that you pay if your car's not starting give them a call have them come out and see if they can fix it for you you got nothing to lose right i mean you're gonna have to take it into the repair shop anyway why don't you see if they could just do it for you right now uh they back up every service with a twelve thousand mile 12 month warranty and because they don't have these fixed costs th- their prices are very competitive uh they'll even show you what it would cost to get the same repair elsewhere they also uh, since you might be a little worried about this uh, if they're coming to your house they give full background checks to all their mechanics who have 10 years of experience on average so if your car won't start check engine lights bugging you need a brake job call today to schedule an appointment or uh, i think the easiest way visit yourmechanic.com slash cap space that slash cap space url easy remember we talk about it all the time on the program yourmechanic.com slash cap space mechanic will come to your home or office and you can even get 20 dollars off your first service for a limited time so the phone number is 800-701-6230 or yourmechanic.com slash cap space let them know that you came from us so let's talk about philly and spoiler alert the reason why they've shot past what we thought was a ridiculously high over under is because ben simmons and joel Embiid have both been better and played more than anyone really thought was possible before we get into that fundamentals quickly 43 and 30 7 and 1 since the last 15 and 60 fifth in net rating which is incredible 14th in offense fourth in defense and projected to win 50 games after their win over the nuggets on monday which would put them third in the east one game ahead of cleveland and i want to start with ben simmons partially because joel Embiid is easier to talk about and what makes simmons a challenge is that he is distinct among a league of amazing athletes that are strong in different things because nobody has the combination of strengths and weaknesses that ben simmons does yeah his passing his transition play i mean he just killed the nuggets i mean he even even the way he brings the ball up fast after makes made free throws even now granted those the nuggets but he just changes the entire ethos of a team from a transition standpoint great grab and go guy he is truly a a pure point guard in transition now and and he likes to be listed as a guard of course the shooting which has still just been horrible even when he on on 15 footers you know it just it doesn't look good and when you run a pick and roll with him yeah you know what like maybe you go under and he beats you to the spot but generally he can't be your main pick and roll guy in fact philly runs if not the fewest they're at the very bottom of number of pick and rolls in the league because pick and rolls don't really work that well with ben simmons maybe you can get him the ball close with a live dribble you can do a snug pick and roll uh but i think he has been working though on finding more versatile ways to score especially the smaller defenders on him and i think last night against the nuggets just in the first quarter i counted him trying to just hard duck in uh with that big body five or six times and i like the fact that he is starting to embrace contact a, a little bit more uh that he, he really wants to use his body you know that's something where just physically dominating teams is where he's going to have a lot of his advantage um but i mean i I think the biggest thing like what has surprised you the most out of simmons let me ask it that way this season two things but the biggest being his defense yeah and simmons smart player i mean you could see that jump off the page back when he was you know before 
before he went to LSU. And offensively at LSU, when he was engaged, you could see the recognition, but the motor was just disastrous at LSU. And it combined in a pretty spectacular way. Now, as a member of the Sixers, their defensive schemes and how they kind of divvy up their assignments is different. So like Simmons' ability to defend kind of whoever they put him on, oftentimes they put Covington on the best guy, and then they put Simmons on the second best guy. It can bounce around a little bit, but that's massive. And that has allowed their system to work with very different surrounding talent and has also made it life easier to a point on Ben Simmons offensively because the other team doesn't really kind of know where to put all their guys. I think that was part of the reason the Nuggets, their their kind of figuring out their matchups in transition was so weird is because how do you really do that when a team is playing J.J. Redick as their shortest guy, but you don't really want to point guard on him for a couple different reasons. So lots of different challenges there, rebounding well, good instincts, steal rate, block rate are both higher than I would have expected. And then the other thing is... I his Ben Simmons limitations as a jump shooter he's zero for 10 from three on the season both parts of that are yeah, ridiculous. and those aren't but, I don't think even any of those 10 are like legitimate in the flow of the offense attempts like he is he takes no those, eight of them are yeah, heaves. he's taking them with a gun to his head basically <laughs> right I mean so and heaves are beyond half court by basketball reference and so Simmons has been able to basically do the pivot that it took Giannis and Brandon Ingram and a few other guys longer to figure out which is oh if they're going to give me that space I attack and turn that space into my own advantage and he started doing that immediately and so now we're sitting there this is age 21 season because he missed a year saying okay well he can just build from this point as opposed to having to learn how to work with his weaknesses one big reason to think that he'll get better from here is the massive turnover rate 19 percent of his possessions become turnovers and that's something that young players are typically improve on quite a bit so and the Sixers as a team I mean think of how much better they could be offensively this year if they simply were able to cut down to a league average turnover rate you know that would add a couple points per possession to their offense right there you wonder though for Simmons just how much better can he get if the jump shot never improves it and right now just seeing the free throw limitations the fact that he might not even be shooting with the correct hand the fact that if anything it looks worse than it did when he was at LSU and and when he saw him at the hoop summit years ago in 2015 if he hasn't made any progress by now you wonder really if if it can ever happen and so that's why you you wonder whether the ability to get that much better especially because he's taken away a lot of the low-hanging fruit to get better already on the defensive end and, and also by the way we should talk about just what, what an unbelievable anticipation he has as a steals guy too uh his ability to break on the ball with his great speed uh, and his anticipation i mean he has some of the best anticipation in the nba i mean especially when the other team is coming at them in transition he gets so many steals out of those plays or or leaking back to take away an outlet pass or something like that uh you know but i do question is ceiling unless just the jump shot makes strides that really i think appear to be uh less likely at this point he does benefit from playing with a center and largely when he went with covington that can shoot from the perimeter and it's kind of the same point that i made with marcus smart that if ben simmons is your worst shooter he pretty much has to be but if he's your worst shooter and everybody else is solid then this he doesn't sabotage the space especially because he's such a good passer and there are ways to work with that but i think we can transition i I did want to say one more thing i'm sorry uh Sure, other areas for improvement in him i think the post-ups you know we we talked about the fact that his yeah. post-ups had not been very efficient they actually have gotten better uh since we talked about that i think in part because they have been emphasizing him getting great position ducking 
in in the post uh, and then the floaters uh, are pretty ugly as well on, on runners as noted by synergy uh only basically uh 0.67 points per possession which is really ugly there too so i have more confidence in his ability to improve his touch from floater range uh than i do on the jump shot and then his finishing around the room which we thought would be a little bit of a problem has actually been better than anticipated as well uh but yeah let us now transition to Embiid uh who we always I mean I don't think he's been that much better this year than I expected him to be it's just he's actually played last season beyond the fact that I said he should win rookie of the year because he was the best rookie by a mile and a half I I said that if he played just even a few more games he would have been in serious consideration for an all-defensive team well this year he's already played in 62 games he'll probably be around 70 for the whole season and he has a very good shot of either finishing first or he will finish first or second in defensive player of the year he has completely delivered on that end and well that comical block rate of 7.7 percent is not holding because that was basically impossible to me still strong there and he's really improved as a defensive rebounder and if that can hold solid i think it's a meaningful gain especially because Embiid does a wonderful job of affecting shots and block rate is always a little bit overstated with the best rim protectors it's more about the shots they deter and the shots that they change than the shots that they actually block and so he has become a more complete defensive player i've been impressed the way that he can you know still do do solidly on switches i mean i still think he could get a little bit better or maybe even significantly better in those areas but as a defensive player he could be and we'll find out more about this in april one of the few centers that can hold his own even when other teams go small and he does have a great intelligence level for the dark arts of pick and roll defense staying on the axis between the ball handler and the roller preventing that pass retreating towards the rim in a way where he can't get taken advantage of i want to see what happens if he gets stuck on switches on the perimeter against some of the best guys um one disappointment for him this season has been that he hasn't been able to hit the three-pointer as well the, he only took 98 of them last year but he was gone from 37 to 31 percent he's had some bad misses too and he much more enjoys pump faking and trying to drive to the room which is still a part of his game that's you know i, I don't really like it that much i mean he's very susceptible to turnovers when he pump fakes drives that dribble is not a, a very strong dribble in, in terms of its speed hitting the floor so that allows players to kind of swipe in get a steal i think his development in terms of passing he's had some wonderful games like that 46 point game against the laker he really carved them up with, with the pass as well there'll be other you know he'll hit cutters he's still kind of one mode or the other though when he goes into his move a lot of times especially if he's dribbling he'll get a little bit of tunnel vision you know he missed a couple of cutters early in that game last night uh, including one ben simmons who's kind of standing under the basket with his, his arms up uh, but certainly has made good strides passing the ball the turnovers are down a little bit in part because they obviously have much better talent around him as well one thing i would like to see a little more of from him uh is hitting the offensive glass i think he could be a really dominant force there and in part because he's standing out on the perimeter more in part because i think he's not still in the most amazing shape we haven't seen that and that's something that brett brown has talked about is like you know he's kind of because of this injury management he's not really practicing you know he's not really in the greatest shape he's not really able to work on his game uh to do a lot of like you know even just during the season some of the workouts that guys are able to do and so that maybe if he can get to that point where they're not as worried about his health uh, then it'll be different but obviously a very successful season for him already having played more games than i think any of us thought one other element i would love to see from mb just because his ceiling 
ceiling there is so crazy high is becoming a post guy attacking on switches just moving quickly getting something and his foul rate is already great but if he could move to another level like he and towns could be the guys that break up this concept of oh you you know you can you can beat centers by going small because if they if you have to switch especially if they have good pick and roll players next to them and then they just immediately annihilate that switch well then you're gaining a lot on the offensive end and it could be worth kind of the next not competitive advantage but those guys that can stay on the floor and actually create a positive just change the way that opponents have to think about how they use their own rotation let's turn now to dario saric who we actually said we don't talk about enough uh, on this show and we did our, our patreon mailbag uh, for saric i think his strides this year have been impressive to the point where i, I questioned if he could be a starter on a good team before this year due to the fact that he really had operated more as a guy who created shots as his back to the basket as a rookie once all, everybody went down last year didn't seem to be that compatible with the team system but he's a, a solid secondary passer which we always knew he would be the shooting though uh, that he's exhibited uh really in increasing the versatility of a shot adding a little bit more arc although he still shoots it flat and becoming a big threat from outside it has been the big improvement for him this season it goes in a lot of different directions with Sharich. he is taking more threes it's up to 45 percent of his field goal attempts which is massive and they're now going in he went from 31 percent to 40 percent and kind of like we talked about earlier with jason tatum the 40 percent might be too rosy but if it's closer to that than the 31 then then he's fine and it's also connected with a an increase in his free throw percentage up from seven from 78 to 86 and if you you know the adjustments in his shot and everything like that and so Sharich brings more spacing the Sixers need that more than ever with the emergence of Ben Simmons with his limitations at least current limitations and then I think the other massively important element for Sharich has been that he's stood up defensively and the way that the Sixers are running some of these lineups when it's you know Redick Sharich, Simmons, Covington, and Embiid, that puts a lot on various guys' shoulders. But I think Sharich is an impressive part of that because I didn't think he was going to be this versatile defensively. Yeah, and I had questioned whether he could fit that well. Well, obviously that starting lineup, once they went to that pretty early in the season, has been one of the best units in basketball, maybe the best high-minute group out there statistically in terms of net rating this season. And you know, Sharich is still never going to be that explosive around the rim. He's only got 16 dunks on the season and that aside he's managed to hit 68 percent of his shots because he's shot judiciously there he's been a smart cutter he's been set up by others he's been able to play off of others and then when he gets the ball and he doesn't have the shot he's able to move it quickly and make the right pass even if he's not necessarily a guy who you know you're going to put him in pick and roll and let him be the primary playmaker he can attack smaller players as well when he often has a pretty decent matchup so very pleased with his development i think he's been you know i i would give him a 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 in terms of his development this year um to again be another one of these guys who's exceeded expectations on the Sixers team anything else on him or you want to move on to uh TJ well I looked it up because I was inspired and of the lineups with that are heavy minutes so over let's say 300 that Sixers starting lineup is the best in terms of net rating plus 21.1 the only lineup in the 25 most used that has a better net rating is actually that Pacers sorry not Pacers the 
Raptors bench unit. They're at a plus 22.2. Yeah, we'll see whether that holds up in the playoffs, but certainly very encouraging. TJ McConnell uh, on the third year of his Hinky special, they have a team option in him, on him for next year. Be interesting to see whether uh, they make him a restricted free agent uh, or not this offseason. We'll talk about that decision at, at a later time, but for TJ this year, has continued to play winning basketball in spite of the fact that he has so many limitations offensively we've noted on previous occasions that he turns the ball over so much very limited as a three-point shooter though he has hit the wide open attempts that he'll make particularly from the corners really just extremely gun shy above the break at this point um wasn't really much of a shooter in college he's 25 already you don't expect that to become a major part of his game but he has improved in the floater range as well coming across the lane with those short jump shots uh not really gonna be able to finish the rim but he can gnash it along the baseline try and find people and i think when enough shooting is placed around him especially because he's very solid defensively he can be an adequate backup point guard it's just been a struggle with both he and ben simmons on the floor and with some of their depth issues they've had little choice but to play those guys together for much of the season for whatever reason i end up focusing more on mcconnell's negatives than his positives but his positives are important and they're why he's a a relevant backup player at the minimum in the league and i think he did a good job of articulating what those are i mean he can be a capable steward i wish he turned it over a little bit less and he really gets into people defensively which provides real value on a second unit in particular his minutes can stagger a little bit from that but a lot of teams still even though the carlisle approach of two point guards is growing in steam in the league if you can really get into another team's primary ball handler on a second unit can short circuit their offense and mcconnell is one of the better backup point guards in the league at that approach yeah and he just plays hard he knows where to be defensively he does strike you as one of those players with big weaknesses maybe wouldn't be as effective in the playoffs you know he can run pick and roll but not really as much for his own offense but he does considering how limited he is he does a good job of at least forcing the defense to pay attention to him on those plays i think that during the regular year he could be a a solid backup you know not someone that you want to pay a lot of money to but and especially now too with Marco Fultz if he's going to be back for this team and if he's not going to be the player with the jump shot that he had at Washington which it doesn't seem imminent uh you know the, the fit becomes very difficult with him as well and so then you say really where does he play you know he might be an interesting guy for a trade candidate not the kind of guy though who's going to get you a first round pick but maybe you know a decent second or something like that uh, could make sense if they are convinced that Fultz is really back in terms of the plans and it becomes clear that Fultz and Simmons kind of need to be split up as they were in that first game back but much remains to be seen there but certainly McConnell another guy who is uh to, to the extent that you realistically could have predicted it has developed about as well as as would have been hoped this season they do have some minor guys uh, as well we shot we thought Rashawn Holmes actually wouldn't be as minor as he has been uh, but he's really been out of the rotation and the biggest issue for him has been his defensive awareness which now that he's on a real team you know he was a guy who already had an okay jump shot really nice finisher around the rim could block some shots struggled on the defensive glass he's one of those young guys who looked better on a team that really wasn't trying to win you saw the good things in him but then uh, on a team that really you know had solid vets around him where his breakdowns really stood out more uh, he became kind of unplayable it was also the juxtaposition with having that starting lineup we just talked about that was so successful a lot of that coming on 
the defensive end to see the disparity between him and Embiid and the overall defense of those lineups. The Sixers have benefited a lot to by having just another guy that they trust in Amir Johnson. One of my thoughts is that they have, in all likelihood, two first-round picks, their own and the one from the Lakers. If they don't use those two they don't combine those to move up or something like that using one of the two on a center should one be available in that range would be worthwhile for them this even if it's the, the pick the lakers pick could be around 10 because it's injury insurance for Embiid. but having a player who you who you like on a on a 40-year rookie scale contract could be a, a resolution to the backup point guard issue which could actually be more cost effective for them than going the aaron baines zaza Pachulia route amir johnson has a 0.7 net rating and Rashawn Holmes has a negative 5.3 uh, net rating. I'm sorry, Amir Johnson is negative 0.7. So they have been able to score with either of those guys on the floor, but the D is held up under Amir, who is a guy, you know, he's almost a polar opposite, not a great finisher around the rim, not really much of a shooter, uh, but at least, you know, knows where to be and plays solid positional defense, um, but just does nothing spectacular at all and can look very frustrating. Whereas if you really pay attention, you know, Holmes is typically more frustrating. So he's really the first guy on this list that you know, it has not developed the, the way they would have won. I think the people were calling for Holmes to play over Johnson early in the season. And, and that really, you know, seeing him in person, for example, against the Warriors, how many times he was out of position defensively it was very frustrating. And so he's someone I thought could make the leap into being, you know, a 20, 25 minute a game kind of modern center, block some shots, shoot the ball, finish around the rim. Uh, but no, that has not occurred for him this season. And if anything, he's regressed uh, since the start of this the year. Um, yeah. Anything else there? No, I was going to move on to TLC, Timothy Luau-Cabarro, to go full French with the pronunciation there. I've been disappointed in him this year. I love kind of versatile wings just because they're so few in the league. And this is TLC's age 22 season. He's played 807 minutes, missed a bunch of time due to tendonitis recently. I think he's been out yeah. for and And also due to now, Marco and, Bellinelli being in the rotation instead of him. Right, right. And TLC, he's, you know, hitting, he's hitting 34% on, from, from three now but he basically hasn't really done much to move the needle for me defensively I thought we would see a little bit more from him and then there were some moments when TLC created a little bit with the ball in his hands during the time when he, he actually started a couple of games but outside of that I haven't te- seen too much from him that would inspire you to say this guy is definitely a rotation player in the future in fairness for him his task has not been easy as an offensive player this season he was the backup to JJ Redick who is their one uh, and then rarely would he play with Covington either you know they they, uh, and so the amount of spacing available on their second unit was just so limited they have mcconnell out there amir johnson uh, maybe they'd bring back sharich and simmons if they're lucky uh so there just was not the type of spacing that he would have really needed to thrive and his finishing at the rim reflected that he's not a great finisher but only 54 percent at the basket the three-point shooting you know i think if i had to guess what his three-point percentage would be next year probably right around where it was 33 34 percent something like that he's not taking difficult attempts by any means you'd like to see him be better in transition as well he's a guy who has some athleticism but a long way away and i think you know he that rotation spot was one that desperately needed an upgrade and when marco bellinelli is a big upgrade you know that it wasn't really producing right now so still have some hope for him but this wasn't i wouldn't view this year as a major step forward although the context should be noted especially for him offensively since we're not going to talk about Fultz due to it largely being a lost season the last guy we need to talk about with the sixers is justin anderson originally added to their team as one of the 
underappreciated pieces in the Nerlens Noel trade was that first that became seconds, or was it a single second? I think it was two. Yeah. And Justin Anderson, 24 years old. I have been intrigued by him at various points, typically due to his strengths. We talked about with Stanley Johnson a little bit in the last time, in the last one of these that we did, about wings that have strength can actually be very intriguing players. I like that with him. And Anderson is hit, I think it's about 30, he's hit 33% of his threes. Again, not a huge sample with any anything like that, especially because he's played fewer than 500 minutes. But I think you have enough to just roll him out there again in training camp next year. And at his price, you know, maybe if, if you end up somehow getting better wings, just depth wings than him, then you could either trade him or cut him. But I like still, I like the potential as more of like a low end guy, just because there aren't enough wings in the league. Yeah, the big number for him, 29.8% career from downtown. And, and that's not on a ton of attempts either. I mean, he, he's still living off that stretch late in 2016 for the Mavericks, uh, where they actually were able to make the playoffs with, with him playing a big role. Looked okay in that first round series uh, against Kevin Garnett, or I'm sorry, yeah, not Kevin Garnett, Kevin Durant. Kevin Garnett is uh, retired. Uh, and But since then, has not really been able to carve out a role. And, and he's been hindered by injuries, especially this year. Shin splints, a, a number of lower body injuries that have felled him to the point where I think they would have liked to have played him a little bit more. He was in the rotation until recently uh, with Fultz's return. By the way, if you want to hear more of our thoughts on Fultz, I think we basically gave all of them after yesterday his, his first real game of the season in some ways. So uh, that, that we pretty much said everything that there is to say about what we believe for his future. As of this point, obviously disappointing that he hasn't played as much. So for Anderson, I mean, at 24, the clock is ticking. This is finishing his third year, has not been able to carve out a role yet. That 40% three-point shooting is senior year uh, or maybe it was his junior year actually after which he came out uh, at virginia seems uh, many moons ago uh, at this point so he's gonna have to turn that or, around but and also i'd like to see i feel that we haven't seen quite as many of the crazy energy plays the blocks that we saw from late in that rookie season uh, and part of that again could be just that he's struggled with these series of injuries may have lost a little bit of that athleticism uh all right we'll get to the brooklyn nets momentarily here but first, this from a new sponsor, Dollar Shave Club. You remember that Seinfeld, the butter shave? Well, Dollar Shave Club now has actually brought that to real life with Dr. Carver's shave butter. It's really a different feel than a lot of shave gels. It helps the razor gently glide across your skin. I recommend just giving it a shot to see what it's like. Dollar Shave Club, of course, delivers everything to you. No more trips to the store wandering around the aisles. You have to scan, bag your own stuff, or if you're, you can bag your own stuff if you're lucky. A lot of the these razors uh, at the drugstore are in like this case that you need the nuclear security codes to open certainly when you say dollar shave club an amazing affordable shave it pops into your mind as well but their quality is really outstanding i recommend giving them a shot and for just five dollars with free shipping you can try out the six blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter body cleanser and their one wipe charlies you can keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month get started with them at dollarshaveclub.com slash capspace that's slash capspace url easy to remember because we talk about capspace all the time in the program that's dollarshaveclub.com slash capspace is that url to experience that dr carver's shave butter for yourself let's go to brooklyn a, a 
team that maybe their breakout guy uh, although he's regressed a little bit recently was not the one we thought it would be uh, D'Angelo Russell but instead Spencer Dinwiddie yeah I mean Dinwiddie has established himself to a degree that I I never would have expected this year and early on I mean it was the striking thing that he the Brooklyn Nets offense looked substantially better when Dinwiddie was on the floor than when Russell was and the initial logic was well you know D'Angelo Russell starting and the second unit for a lot of these kind of bad teams the second unit is comparatively better than the first then Dinwiddie ended up the starter when D'Angelo Russell got hurt and the Nets starting offense looked better and that is notable for Dinwiddie to he has a a 16.2 PER on this season I mean a 35 assist rate which is pretty remarkable and we I've we talked before about the extension negotiations I could wrote a piece on on this for Real GM but it's it's a fascinating question because we don't know exactly what Dinwiddie's role is going to be but he has shown that he can be a reliable positive part of a rotation and with his size you could even be a little bit more flexible with how you use him the two things that have stuck out for him the most to me and we started with this at the end of last season but his ability to just get to the rim he's got the explosion uh he is not an unbelievable finisher but he's a solid enough finisher but just his ability to create separation off the dribble was something that had been lacking in the first couple seasons of his career i would imagine uh, as he recovered from that torn acl he suffered in his last year in colorado and he was a guy who was like way up there in terms of rpm throughout most of the year now as they've started to play a lot more poorly with him on the floor towards the end of the season and the nets aren't tanking but you would never know that they really have been struggling as badly as most of these teams are down the end uh and part of it too that he was jacked up so highly was because his opposite number d'angelo russell the on off was so bad for him so usually if you have somebody who's really good or really bad that'll still hurt you a little bit in those rpm metrics but you know when we did our point guard rankings i thought dinwiddie is a guy that i maybe ranked higher than some others you might have to knock him down a peg with how he's played a little bit recently but he's a guy who very clearly is a rotation player in the nba he's got that positional versatility that you said and his emergence into someone that you could think of as a decent starter at the very least you can say he wasn't the problem for the nets this year right i i think that's certainly fair and at this point you know getting to the line a reasonable amount and making his free throws is always as important 82 percent free throw shooter so you can kind of see how that can bode well for different areas last year they had that ridiculous 37 percent from three 33 this year that's you know it's that's fine i would as always you would love for it to be a little bit higher but i don't have much of a problem with that my concern as it were you talked about how he's getting to the basket a lot more i do i do like that but partially maybe due to some uncalled fouls i know that the nba refs association did not appreciate that in the last two minute report that they have their water calls against him but i would love to see a little bit more success there from Dinwiddie especially because that would diversify his repertoire as a scorer you know we can still distribute I love him in that in that element but getting you know let's say this year 57 percent in the restri- in the restricted area if that could get up to 60 with the frequency I think could be very useful for him let's move now to uh, his competition for the Nets starting point guard job at D'Angelo Russell they have played some together Russell missing much of the season with a, a surgery on that on his knee which I, I think is the same one that had troubled him as a Laker coming into the season the book on Russell was he could heat up from outside uh, but wasn't that explosive getting to the rim wasn't that explosive finishing at the rim and, and that his defensive effort uh, and quickness was pretty uh, atrocious uh, and that he had the capability to throw some really nice 
passes at times but overall in the aggregate the assist numbers were not there that much how do you think he's improved on some of those weaknesses this season I don't think he's improved a ton on on really any of them the jump shot is hit or miss he had that crazy game was that I think that was against the Raptors where he just couldn't miss from three in the first yeah, quarter like and then 24, basically faded off 24 the, in the first quarter i think it was seven of seven from three yeah. in the first quarter something like that yeah something like that and then he then I, I think he went pretty cold the rest of that game and i believe the raptors ended up winning i can't remember for sure for the season russell is at 33 percent from three that is actually the lowest of his career because the other two years he, as a laker 35 percent this nets team highest usage highest assist rate of his career still doesn't get to the basket that much doesn't get to the line that much it's not i mean 21 percent free throw attempt rate isn't terrible but i would like to again like it to be a little bit higher especially because he makes 75 percent at the line so i haven't been super impressed with russell this year and then the other part where he has not improved is defensively i still think of him as either a sieve or sieve-esque yeah although a sieve does at least like get in the way of whatever the substance is while until it doesn't stop it i don't know that russell even does that um and, and certainly in pick and roll defense getting around screens he remains pretty slow poor communication poor help defender or he'll lose shooters as well one-on-one really too slow although he does have the length it doesn't really have many other physical tools and just you know not an intense player you know he's a guy who you know part of that was his poise and, and you thought decision making and, and that he had the ability to change speeds he wasn't going a thousand miles an hour but he doesn't really seem to have on either end the ability to really increase the, the intensity um you mentioned uh, the finishing has improved uh, up to 63 percent around the room i think part of that is due to the fact that he played on lakers teams with very limited spacing the last couple of years that, that is not the case with the nets at least they will stand out of the way even if they don't necessarily hit a, a ton of threes uh, so they're not clogging the, the space but his percentage of shots at the rim really no better than it had been only about 15 percent of his shots at the rim he has had the mid-ranger working a, a career high 45 percent for mid-range but th- these are all pretty s- small samples uh, in particular with given the amount of time that he's missed uh, and as you mentioned the on-off numbers are really rough he has started to improve a little bit lately but uh, overall i would say especially due to the injury concerns and due to the fact that this is a seemed to be a continually chronic problem for him with his knees uh you know played 63 games last year in part to the knees he's probably only get to under 50 this year you would have to say that this that gamble that the nets took taking him on with mozgov trading away brook lopez who had some trade value and, and trading away the pick that became cal kuzma eventually uh after another transaction uh has not really worked out uh, very well I, I still think he could get a lot better potentially but you know he's got to just be so good with that jump shot to make up for all the other weaknesses that he has and you know 33 from three has not been good enough you know he's got to be almost 40 percent from three i think really to be a quality player uh, unless he takes very very significant steps forward in, in all the areas we talked about you know none of which seem to be uh on the cusp of happening d'angelo russell is the bizarro of fred van vliet and a few of these other guys where with those players you wonder or terry rosier before this couple weeks with boston where it's a guy who has a smaller role and has done well in it and you say oh well what 
what could they be if they got a larger role? With D'Angelo Russell, I think he's struggled to a point with the larger role, but I think he would do well. You know, if he was playing against backups all the time, some of his weaknesses would become a smaller thing. Granted, considering where he was drafted, second overall just a couple years ago, that would be a disappointment in many ways. But long term, you know, that would be something that I would be interested in seeing. And I have no idea if the Nets have the guts to pull the trigger on that, especially with their weird incentives next year. They do not have their own first round pick this year, but they're finally going to be out from that disastrous KG Paul Pierce trade after this draft. And so, yeah, that would encourage them to tank a little bit. But if they're interested in, you know, seeing what they have, I would start Spencer Dinwiddie and have D'Angelo Russell come off the bench knowing what we know right now. Yeah, if you're actually trying to win games, I don't think there's much of an argument that uh, Dinwiddie... Or, or that Russell has been more effective than Dinwiddie. Jared Allen, I, I liked him in the draft, number 22 pick with uh, the pick that was Boston's initially. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's wrong. Uh, That was Washington's pick, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. But anyway. Yeah, I believe so. That was, yeah, from the Bogdanovich, uh, Andrew Nicholson trade. And I've liked everything I've seen from Allen. He is an exciting player. He goes up hard around the rim for dunks. That was a, a criticism of his is that he wasn't a strong enough finisher. I think he's, he's not a great leaper but he has so much length that he can just extend over guys and dunk he challenges shots very liberally we haven't seen quite as much of him as getting down in a stance as a switch defender although i think for given his archetype he's probably better at that than some and i think the hope is that he could turn into a clint capella type of player i don't think he quite has the facility for finishing that capella has doesn't quite have as quick a feet but probably a better rim protector and shot blocker than capella and uh, he's even experimenting with uh, some core corner threes already as well that's something that could be useful for him later on the defensive rebounding is a concern well, yeah go ahead yeah it's a concern for me and and you you brought up capella i think that's one of the differences at this point between those two guys jared allen plays straight center i mean they can run some different lineups where they have w- with who plays next to him but 18 percent defensive rebound rate not where i would want it to be and he does block some shots i think maybe depending on how he balances those two could could help himself a little bit there and just striking the right balance young guys often have this over exuberance problem but there's so much to like about jared allen and if he gets stronger and just gets you know gets gets more used to positioning and everything like that in the nba it's there and you brought up the corner threes something that i remember going back to i believe that was the 2017 hoop summit was that i i thought his jumper mechanically it would have been fine. it would have been like, 16, i didn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah. 16 and this year shooting 80 percent from the line and not taking that many threes not taking that many mid-rangers either but age 19 season that could be a part of his game in two three years i could certainly see that and when you look when you look at him the way he shoots i think it's entirely possible so that would certainly add an element that that capella doesn't so i really like jared allen i am not firmly in one camp in terms of whether he's a long-term starter or a long-term reserve but at the center position that line of separation unless you're like a top 10 to 15 guy is so blurred that it does matter but it's not super important unless the team really has to make a a big decision with what to do with their money or draft pick. also encouraging has been his ability to score uh, from floater range uh, he gets great extension uh, on his hook shots can finish with either hand not unbelievable finishing or around the rim quite yet but uh, again i think he's taken strides in that uh, as the season has gone as he's gone to try and dunk uh, more balls uh, and, and i mentioned the jump shot he's only taken 21 shots outside the paint uh, all season and he's taken 10 threes from the corner and one above the break so we're not talking about anything amazing but it's enough 
enough to where you think it could it's something that could develop and, and other than the defensive rebound i think you have to be very pleased with his development this season Rondé hollis jefferson another guy who's a, a bit of an enigma someone who i had experienced some disappointment with last year i hoped that he would be more of a game changer defensively the on-off numbers are always pretty good for him uh but you know he hasn't really had the level of athleticism that i thought he might have coming out of, of arizona he's struggled with a few injuries but mostly i think i just had it wrong about him uh you know he doesn't go up and dunk on people he, he's very left-handed but a, a solid finisher on the room he has that great length at 7-1 wingspan and the three-pointer has not developed i think you're he's got kind of that sean livingston-esque form where uh, although sean still looks a lot better but where like it just you know he jumps really high on his jumper and just doesn't really seem to work uh, out to three uh, as well he kind of shoots his threes on the way down but he actually has been pretty effective uh, for mid-range he's started mostly as a a small ball force under he plays with, with uh, Demari Carroll so you can decide who you think is the four there probably him because he doesn't shoot it um but he, he's but I think he's been reasonably effective this year it's just a question of if you really want to get him onto a good team I just don't think he is able to start because he can't hit the three-pointer Rondé benefits in this era from the positional scarcity because I don't think he necessarily has a, a hook as a starter of like oh this is what he does that you can't keep him off the floor but by virtue of playing and you know when he when he can get to get to his places on either end of the floor I think he really can contribute and for a lot of teams especially one like the Nets that they're still looking for players at his position that can be enough and so like so many players around the league the Nets would probably love to upgrade from him but they might not have that opportunity especially with their with their pick situation so that leads to a complicated extension negotiation because he is extension eligible like D'Angelo Russell is because those guys were both drafted in the same class and that's going to be tough I think you take a hard line and say hey a number that we're happy with probably pays him more like a reserve than like a starter but it's possible considering how scared everybody's going to be by this restricted market to see some extensions for guys like Rondé maybe D'Angelo Russell with his high cap hold as well yeah you'd have to say that he's developed pretty well in everything except the one thing that really seems to matter the most for his future as a high level role player which is that three-pointer only 12 out of 49 on the season Karis Levert started the year extremely slowly he was miscast as a backup point guard they got killed in those minutes once Russell went down he's playing with some pretty ugly looking lineups but has come on a little bit and I think he's relatively on track I would say you know not a guy that you say is for sure going to be a starter but has some ball skills I think it's possible that he could get there after that horrible start to the year he's actually gotten his true shooting not quite league average but pretty probably closer to average for a guard uh, and his assist rate up to 25 percent that's pretty decent for uh, a combo guard what have you seen from him i still like lavert better as more of a secondary creator somebody who can attack and if he can shoot it be 35.5 percent from three this yeah year. and that's after a if miserable well start enough. too i mean he's actually been yeah. been hitting it pretty well recently so if lavert can hit enough to force a closeout then in those circumstances i like him a lot more as a creator defensively i've never really been inspired by him wasn't even at michigan when he was a prospect somebody who got some buzz so i ended up watching some of him then and it's also i think a, a, an absolute positive for the nets because part of the reason levert fell in the 2016 draft was concerns about both the injuries he had at the time of the draft and durability long term he's played over a thousand minutes both seasons despite predominantly coming off the bench he has started a few games each year and that is a positive because a 
an offensively capable guy who can defend wings and could get better is significant in this league even if he never becomes a starter yeah Levert does have kind of an upright style you know I'm not sure he's really ever going to be able to get into the ball defensively you know he's not as bad as someone like Russell but he's still kind of more of a fluid loper doesn't have those short choppy steps really get into guys get over screens he'll get hung up he doesn't have a a great recovery speed so you know I think he's looking more like someone who could be passable on the defensive end as opposed to someone who who can really be a a positive and so you know it's kind of a bench type of combo guard Uh, I think he he can have a career as a starter that might be asking a a little bit too much for him although uh, that three-point shooting the way he's shot it lately has been encouraging very little to say about their three minor guys Isaiah Whitehead has had some of the worst seasons in NBA history pressed into service that they've gone away from him they just went with Levert at point guard they I think they've given up on him I would imagine that he won't be on the team next year Nick Stauskas they can make him a restricted free agent shocking though it would be if he got a qualifying offer and then Jill Okafor has uh at least been able to solidify his position as the second best Okafor in the NBA ouch that's just uh, and and with Okafor one of the kind of measures that we were talking about when that trade happened was kind of is he going to have a spot in the NBA next year and I don't have a, a real sense of that I mean his defensive limitations are still just frustrating and and I'll I'll get out but I certainly think that he will get a shot and Okafor has one of the bigger challenges of a player who has been established from his agent's perspective about picking the right team for him next year because it should be I, one I thought the Nets were the right time. team like they they had a so clear role for him they were going to space the floor like you would have thought that maybe he could get a more modern style of play he has a negative 24.2 net rating in 311 minutes i mean it's just like it's just becoming nearly impossible now and this is third year and obviously he had that third fourth year option declined which was a great decision by philly obviously um although not trading him when he had even the slightest amount of value was not a great decision by philly but yeah i mean it's just what is the path for him especially because you know it's not like he's coming in there and dominating offensively you know they have a 92.4 offensive rating when he's on the floor and so you know maybe all right you put him in with some better players but i mean there's certainly no good team that's going to ever play him with their good players at this point uh so uh, yeah yeah i'm not sure where he goes from could here. he could he end up being i don't know if this is what he what okafor wants somebody who considering i mean this is age 22 season certainly very talented was the pick immediately after d'angelo russell in that 25th draft could he go overseas figure some stuff out play against competition that's a little bit more balanced for him and then maybe come back at 25 26 like some people thought Vesely could have but ended up not coming back that could be a path for him Uh, but he's gonna have to want it he's gonna have to get a lot better especially defensively but Okafor's physical ability his touch around the basket at moments when he when he's trying his rebounding at the at the same point like there's there's enough there for me that I still believe in his possibility but I wouldn't gamble on him at this point because at in the near term you want him to prove it with somebody else and i do think that we'll never know what the extent of this is and we'll have to see where his career goes from here but he got shut down at the end of his rookie year with a knee surgery that basically he was experiencing knee soreness for like the next year and who knows maybe he's just not the same anymore after that surgery now he did at least get into to better shape he's lost some weight but that didn't really seem to help him much on the floor um 
Where are we going to go next here? Let's go to the Raptors. I, I, the Raptors are just so... Oh, let's do... Actually, Brooklyn Fundamentals. 23 and 51, 2 and 5 since last 15 and 60, 24th in net rating, 22nd in offense, 23rd in defense, and they're projected to be 26 wins, 13th tied with the Magic, I believe, in the East, and that would be great for Cleveland because a couple more wins would push the Nets a little bit further out in the draft, and Cleveland, of course, has their pick unprotected. Toronto Raptors do Fundamentals back-to-back, 55 and 20 after their win over the Denver Nuggets, 6-3 since the last 15-60, and 3rd in net rating, 3rd in offense, 6th in defense, and they are projected, they will, are almost definitely going to have the best record in the East, but not the best record in the NBA, and that is a massively successful season. A big part of the reason why this season has been so successful for them is the emergence of basically every single player that they've drafted in the first or high second round in the last couple of years. Yeah, or even a, a player they got as a undrafted free agent in Fred Van Vliet. Let's start with uh, Dalen Wright at age 25. Looked like he was going to miss time with yet another shoulder injury. Was able to come back quickly from that. A a guy whose game I really enjoy. Just such a smart player. His finishing around the rim is incredibly crafty. He is a shark defensively. Gets a lot of steals. Really likes to push the pace and transition. The the jumper has come around to some extent. Uh, There's this guy who keeps tweeting me, I guess, every time he hits a three-pointer. Like, oh, he said Dalen Wright is a total non-shooter. I don't remember saying exactly that he was a total non-shooter, but I I did say that I didn't see him as a a future starter because of that. And he has shot a a decent percentage, although the volume and the volume is up, but it's still not quite there. Uh, 49 out of 134. 37% this season but when you just watch on film there's a lot of shots that are available to him from three that someone who's comfortable from that range would take when the defense goes under that he doesn't take quite yet and so I'd like to see more of that development certainly the fact that he's up the volume even to the level that he has has been encouraging and the rest of his game is really so nice he's played mostly at the two as well obviously in lineups with Fred Van Bleet that has been as you mentioned earlier a devastating combination that all Ben unit that they have uh, although cj miles is involved in that as well it's not all young guys uh has really dominated at the start of the second and fourth quarters this season so and, and just right is such a smart player like he finds ways to be effective even if his jump shot is limited and as we mentioned the, some strides have been taken there although he still has quite a ways to go and i'm still not sure that he's gonna get to be a guy who will just fire away with no hesitation when teams go under on the pick and roll but it, i didn't expect him even to get to this point he deserves a lot of credit for that i really like Wright's defense and his competitiveness he can do to the combo with Fred Van Fleet oftentimes he is on a player who is larger than he is and he can compete oftentimes he also is good at being helping and disrupting while not truly leaving his guy open which is a very hard double to do as the league is getting more spacing I've really enjoyed that with Wright and he's getting to the line less than before and he's getting to the rim less than before but that is offset to a point by him making more jumpers that is a little bit of a concern long term because both of those elements are, are you know that that's not really the foundation for it but I mean he's been effective this year true shooting percentage at, at 58.1 is, is certainly very strong and even though you'd love for him to take a couple more shots he can be part of a successful team because he is a part of one right now 
Norman Powell has experienced a, a down year. He got Wally pipped, uh, although uh, when he suffered an injury and got taken out of the starting lineup for OG Anubi, and that's really when their season took off. Uh, not that OG has been unbelievable uh, of late. Uh, he's been getting the Keith Bogans uh, almost exclusively now, where he just starts the half and, and never comes back in. Um, but uh, under 50% true shooting for Powell, 8.5 PER. Uh, big issue for him has been 29.4% from downtown and where he had really encouraged in his first couple of seasons before he merited that big extension was that he had made those shots uh he has at least slightly improved his playmaking off the dribble i mean if you go back to last year's playoffs he was just an absolute black hole when he would try and drive now he'll actually drive and kick every once in a while off of those closeouts and kind of keep the train rolling but it does seem like powell at this point although i think he would play more for a lot of other teams is the 11th man in a 10-man rotation. Let's move on to the guy who essentially pipped him, OG Ananobi. Ananobi's biggest positive to me is the same one that was there when he was drafted too low, which is his ability and capability to defend opposing forwards. And it's just rare to have a player with the physical combination that he does. Still needs to get a lot smarter to me as a defender, but I thought he did a a respectable job against LeBron in that last game we did for the Twitter NBA show. And Ananobi... I mean, a big central part of his value as an NBA player is going to be his shot. He's still at 36% from three. I'm not completely sold on that long term. Yeah. Above One the break the in reasons. particular is, is ugly for him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You pointed out that disparity before. And part of the reason why I've been skeptical, the reason you look at free throw shooting, in especially in college, is just because of the, the volume issues, because the three-point line also it changes. He was a 52% free throw shooter at Indiana. He's only at 66% as a Raptor. So that is a little bit concerning in terms of the long-term potential, but I've always valued Ananobi more as a defender than as an offensive player. He just has to make enough shots that you have to actually keep him on, that you can keep him on the floor. Yeah, and it helps him that at least he started the year on fire, and he's still shooting 42% from the corners, uh, but those comprise 52% of his three pointers so you you can do the math that he's i think a little bit below 30 percent on above the break threes and that's uh, really the shot that's gonna make or break him uh you know he looks like he's kind of short arming his shots lately rushing them a, a little bit and, and his usage is pretty low you know but you got to remember too with the starters he's out there with DeRozan, valentunas lowry and abaki he's gonna be a distant fifth option and that's basically the only lineup that he's played with for quite some time now so he might look better if you playing on a bench unit we also have seen almost none of him playing the four since he ascended to the starting lineup a couple games that Ibaka would miss they would play him there I think ultimately the four uh, given his limited offense is his best position but the most encouraging thing has been number one that he's been able to get on the court I mean we didn't think he was even going to play until a year after he tore his ACL and all of a sudden uh, he plays in the preseason and he's in the rotation to start the year which was awesome and even though people in Toronto and he would probably say you know he's not totally back yet he would want another offseason really to get there and the other thing is just how he's looked to guarding stars he had a really nice game against James Harden when they beat them in Houston he has held his own reasonably well as much as any rookie could be expected to uh physically against LeBron he's got that 7-2 wingspan and plenty of strength and weight um 
like to see him be able to do a little bit more off the dribble you know he's basically just a straight right hand driver right now not a ton of craft finishing head down not really going to make a pass uh, so long long way to go offensively it is possible to me that he may never get there as an offensive player especially if he's going to have to be a three as a four maybe it would be a, a little bit different uh, another guy who has actually closed some games for them and it's taken some major strides for this year as an offensive player is pascal siakam siakam looks like a totally different player offensively to what we saw before he is more assertive and confident with the ball in his hands the jump shot still is not falling from deep two and from three but he can pass he is aggressive and defensively siakam has looked better so very impressive year for him i you know my my instinct is that i still think of him more as a as a rotation player than as a starter but he has closed some games to success with them and at just his age 23 season siakam if he can improve anything like this again in basically whatever facet of offense whether i'd be shooting would be great but if it you know gets more confident with the ball in his hands then i don't want to put constraints on him well uh, the shooting i mean it's really weird when you see him he looks much more confident shooting the ball and you remember he actually started much of last year until ibaka arrived and because they have so much center depth with valanchunas and pertle you know we haven't seen him really as a small ball center uh we haven't seen him playing the four next to serge ibaka only 22 percent from downtown and that's pretty ugly because he's 25 percent from the corners and he takes half of more than half his threes from the corners but they've been able to be effective offensively because he's such a, a good transition player both pushing the ball running the lanes and then as a driver you know teams do close out on him a little bit and he can drive and you mentioned his increased passing and i think uh his confidence putting the ball on the floor off the closeouts getting to short range floaters hook shots even making a, a pivot going back over the opposite shoulder at times off of a drive all that has been absolutely outstanding for him and i mentioned this before and when we did a 15 and 60 to talk about siakam but it bears repeating he has quadrupled his assist rate and reduced his turnover rate that doesn't happen yeah that's that's really impressive and and you know there's some trust with him to do the right thing with the ball in his hands now where he basically was just told to stand in the corner and maybe we'll hope that they think you could shoot it even though you can't uh, last year when he was a starter and then defensively i mean he really unless it's the absolute best guys trying to go one-on-one against him if you're a small forward is a really difficult task he is an outstanding switch guy uh and he even had some pretty good success against lebron at points in that last game although they ended up losing and lebron ended up being great down the end he had a couple of pretty decent stops on him in the third quarter fred van vliet a guy who barely played last season has come into his own at age 23 just in time for his arenas restricted free agency this uh, off season and the biggest surprise to me that i really you know, i thought that he just was not an nba caliber athlete and he has proved that wrong on the defensive end with his strength how hard he competes and his intelligence level yeah i guessing it's because even though those wichita states were wichita state teams were good that i just never ended up watching that much of them that i never really saw enough to have a strong feel on van vliet but you know those undrafted point guards that have good translations i think about you know like monty morris or going back to like scott machado and so i without any knowledge grouped him kind of in with that and van vliet has completely blown through every single one of those unfair characterizations now one of the massive elements for him and and again this is one that could tone down a little bit he's taking 47 percent of his shots from three and making 41 percent of his threes so if you combine that with the creation that he provides and the defense that has been a surprising plus for him you have one of the best backup point guards in the entire league yeah and what i really like about him he's closed a lot of 
games for this team with in a three-guard lineup with Lowry and DeRozan how well that'll work against some of the bigger teams in the playoffs remains to be seen and how well he can hold up when teams really concentrate on going after him. I know he fights hard and won't let the the ball get entered into the post but he's there's only so much he can do and especially as a help defender as well I really like the way that he adds their offensive pace in the half court he knows how to operate and pick and roll control the bigs force him them to guard him uh he can hit the jump shot he's a good corner three-point shooter as well uh, playing off the ball and he'll drive he'll gnash it along the baseline he'll just drive and kick even when he doesn't necessarily have the shot and he just keeps the ball hopping around and that's something that's a, a valuable skill and, and yeah i think he has been uh an outstanding backup point guard and the shooting for him the 40 percent from three i mean that's what he's been doing his whole career so uh going back to college so i don't think that that is necessarily a mirage for him i, I kind of like that we're ending this and this is a tribute to toronto that on one of the guys that i'm highest on of all of their young players in the long term and that's Yaka Pertle. Pertle was a high draft pick in 2016, has been in a backup role largely because of Valanciunas. I mean, they have an established center and Valanciunas is having a much better year than I anticipated, especially offensively. So they haven't had the need for Pertle, but he's been very, very good this year. A much more efficient offensive player fueled by being a substantially more effective finisher up from 61% to 72% in the restricted area. And that's very potent because he doesn't do a whole lot lot of shooting outside of that area at this point in his career and doesn't make his free throws that's a little bit of a concern just in terms of if he ever becomes a starter I think he'll end up being above the Hacka line but maybe not too far and defensively there is just so much to like as well yeah there is a, as a conventional pick and roll defender as a switch guy as a guy who can come over with his quick feet he's not fouling quite as much uh, this year maybe he's just getting more juice from the refs uh, as well but a guy is definitely a factor around the rim and then offensively the way he runs the floor in transition uh has had some massive offensive rebounding games i'm surprised actually he only has a 12.6 offensive rebound rate i would have expected it to be even higher than that but he's just constantly he plays really really hard and he's able to do that in his bench role and he causes problems for other teams with his effort i think his physical capabilities are solid only a 16.1 percent defensive rebound rate though which is not particularly inspiring how do they rebound with with him on the floor not particularly well they have a, a better rebound rate when Pirtle when they're with the starters it's only a uh, so opponents have a 27.5 offensive rebound rate so that would be a defensive rebound rate around 72 and a half percent which is not great yeah he and Siakam usually are the group there I think part of Pirtle's problems is you know he still needs to get stronger you know on the offensive glass he, he can use his quickness and his effort level when he's got to really wall guys off he can get thrown out of the way a little bit and also because he's out on the floor maybe a little bit more than some other centers and and i think he i don't know if you want to be full switch with him all the time but certainly if there's a late switch late in the clock or or they just get caught you know he can be effective in that role against a, a lot of players Bebe is still on this team. You, you remember him? Uh, he actually provided some competent backup center play in the past for this team, but he's just been surpassed by all the other great options that they have at center. He's someone that I think you know, provides really good finishing around the rim, can block some shots, but he's a limited as a horizontal athlete and also just pretty spacey. But I think you know if you want just okay regular season backup center play, you know he could be someone who'd be a cheap option. I don't think he can hold up in the playoffs though. Because 
because he, he just in that kind of a crucible we've seen him really fail to provide the defensive intelligence that's needed and he has no chance of, of getting out on the perimeter and guarding shooters i would not be surprised in the least if i end up being much happier with the contract he gets from the team perspective than with a lot of the other centers just be, and he is a reminder of just how many guys are out there so don't don't spend on somebody who isn't great because you can get somebody like Bebe Noguera. the last guy we should mention just briefly malachi richardson has played a whopping five minutes with the big squad after being traded in that interesting move with bruto caboclo going the other way and he is under contract has a fully guaranteed next year because the kings picked up that option i haven't seen enough of him to really have a strong opinion either in sacramento yeah, I, I, or i think jerry stackhouse Toronto. the coach of the raptors 905 has seen enough of him though uh he has a 5.9 per and 43 percent true shooting in 252 minutes in the g league 12 games overall shooting uh 31.2 from the field and 26 percent from three let's move on our fifth and final team for the atlantic division is the new york knicks the knicks are 27 and 48 three and five since the last time we did this negative four net rating puts them 23rd 20th in offense 22nd in defense and they're projected to win 30 games which would put them 11th they probably should have won a few fewer but that was mostly earlier in the season when they had their best young player Kristaps porzingis available and for porzingis obviously we've talked about him a, a ton on the show i don't think we need to spend as much time on him i think the big question for him long term of obviously is his health he's had all these nagging injuries when is he going to come back is it going to be you know december january february of next year that's probably about when it's going to be and also extension eligible coming up uh, that'll be a, an interesting one also and then just well what position is he going to be is he going to be a center is he going to be a power forward long term i think it's it's going to be tough for him to play power forward especially if his mobility is reduced coming off this acl injury but and, and then there, there's still a lot of holes in his game i mean he obviously started off extremely well as an isolation score fell off as he always seems to really after those first couple months of the season you know he was a guy that we ranked what like three four something like that on our top 10 prospects list and, and you know obviously after the acl injury and just the fact that his performance tailed off a little bit you know wouldn't be nearly as high now it'll be interesting to see where we put him presuming when we usually do that in in december he probably will not even have made a season debut yet anything you wanted to add uh, uh, on him at all just briefly that the transition to center could end up producing dividends defensively because he has been such a, a great rim protector overall the knicks have defended better also with him at the five and that is despite having imperfect personnel you know they're short on wings especially forward sized wings you know they have guys like tim hardaway too so i think that could be a positive for them long term i have been consistently impressed with porzingis's ability this season to score when he has the size advantage i thought he was going to be more of a quick disadvantage guy and we'll have to see how that goes both with the injury and with the potential of playing a different position when he returns yeah and he's just if he plays with a real point guard i think that could change a lot for him. i mean just so much of his game had to be all right he's got a mismatch he's gonna try and just shoot over the guy from 16 feet and you know it's gonna be contested and he's gonna hit 41 percent of them um frank nilakina didn't spend long as the apple of the organization's eye obviously phil jackson was removed from his position what was it like a week after drafting him something like that uh and 
I think it was two. Yeah. And, and Neil Aquino was only 18 when he was drafted. Uh, and yeah, I think it was less than than two weeks because he Phil was out by the time they started free agency, right? Yeah, it was like, I think it was, you know, and the draft was like the 22nd. And by like, you know, July 1st, he was out. So <laughs> it was pretty remarkable. But now the whispers are, oh, he's going to play the two. They brought in these other guys. You know, he's playing a lot of his minutes with Manuel Moutier or Trey Burke these days. And he certainly is not ready to be your main pick and roll ball handler point guard uh, as we detailed on a previous 15 and 60 he is one of the absolute worst points per possession in the pick and roll 0.69 out of players with more than 100 possessions in the pick and roll using i think bottom five in that statistic and that's 41 percent of his offense the spot ups have been eh, you know okay uh but he's not really able to take the jump shot even from two and be much of a threat there out of the pick and roll not to mention from three if the defense goes under or this the guy gets picked off so uh long long way to go but and i never thought he really had the highest ceiling offensively due to not having great explosion either vertically or uh acceleration and then the finishing at the rim i think is always going to be something that's going to be below average if not just outright bad for him nokina's defensive value is higher than a lot of other capable guys that came into the league as point guards because i believe he can credibly defend both guard positions so if he ends up not becoming a player who you can run an offense through reliably can still pair him with a lot of other guys it doesn't have to be you know trying to find a a two or a three that can run an offense you know a James Harden LeBron somebody of that nature it could just be a one that's the easiest way to do it probably with Nilkina and that's why they're calling him a two guard now and his instincts his effort his length on that end are all incredibly strong I've been very impressed with his tools on that end especially as a young player generally speaking young guys young guards in particular don't defend well but Nokina has been one of the exceptions to that rule I think due to his skinny frame he's a lot further away from being a quality defender at the two than at the one and and it's just he's not like a great athlete so I don't see him being as elite at the two as a defensive player than at the one. I would like it if he could be the one, and then you hopefully would have a two guard who's a little bit more dynamic than, say, Tim Hardaway Jr., who, who could run a lot of pick and rolls, and then Frank could be off the ball and, and hit some shots. But I think he's a lot less special defensively when he's your two. And then, you know, if you want to switch everything and he's your one, maybe you can get away with that because, you know, he's 6'4, six, 6'5, six, he's got the long arms. If he's your two, and then you have another one who's smaller than him, now the whole integrity of your defense in terms of switchability is much different so i if there's a way to get him to play the one i would like that defensively but i'm not sure that that is in the offing and you just don't know what the investment the team is going to have in him i I think his passing we've said this before especially finding guys rolling to the basket although those are tough to find in in this limited nick spacing but he's had some moments there uh but just not a guy who draws enough attention from the defense to really open up the juiciest passing angles i think the next guy we should talk about we don't have to spend a ton of time on him tank commander emmanuel moutier this is moutier's age 21 season third year in the nba traded in that move with denver that ended up giving denver devin harris a, a much more stable option though moutier certainly has more talent long term but yeah there's just a lot of different concerns with Moutier his defense has not been what I hoped it was he is you know physically I thought he he moves decently well for his size creating for others he's okay at it not great and I still don't trust his jump shot either yeah he still kind of shoots on the way down the numbers at least 
in Denver were encouraging from three and then I think he went like oh for his first 21 or something as a Nick and you mentioned how bad they have been with him on the floor negative 15.7 net rating particularly ugly defensively for him 118.5 defensive rating god forbid he and Jalil forever get on the same team like that they might have like a negative 100 <laughs> net rating if those two guys ever played together damian dotson well real quickly i mean it, it, has moody shown you anything to believe that he's going to be a part of the future for the next at this point nope another guy who maybe and, and that's disappointing he's he someone can... that we both were high on yeah. at one point i mean you, oh, yeah. you remember going back to his summer league we thought some of the passes that he was able to make uh were pretty good when he was a rookie we really enjoyed watching him and just too much inefficiency too much usage too much defensive inattention i think that's really where uh, he has killed basically any defense that he's ever been on um so a, a long way to go for him i mean he is only 21 he does have some skills some size uh, but not the type of athlete who really uh, can get to the room and really kill you out of pick and roll not a, quite a good enough shooter just has not particularly developed you would have to say I mean, and the only thing that's looked better is the fact that he's finished a little bit better around the rim but you know I, i'm not sure how much to make of that in the small time that he has been a nick uh ron baker pretty much a lost season for him and you know i think he might be uh, picking up that player option for uh, uh the, the uh, second part of his full of room exception contract next year that contract is just such a disaster when you consider also the limited options that the knicks had in terms of building out their team draft a rookie point guard and then you think they, they end up trying to get you know minimum guys i mean chair jack ended up working out reasonably well but giving baker a player option for that second year when he they had all the leverage in the world on him damian dotson you mentioned his name but we didn't really go through it 44th pick overall i haven't seen too much to get really worked up about with him he's played a little bit over 300 minutes as a new york nick and you know two guard shooting 31 percent from three little bit of defensive capability but i haven't seen anything that goes oh man this guy you definitely need to think of him as a rotation player next year or two years from from now even though he could you know with a good summer league or something establish a better role i wish he would get a little bit more of a look in the g league the shot has gone down for him in 13 games 30 of 78 from three so 39 percent has not really gotten a ton of steals but i just he pops off the screen when he plays just with his effort level defensively and not a big enough guy really to guard threes on the other team especially some of the best threes but someone who especially for a Knicks team that has struggled with effort a, a lot of the time maybe a guy who can hit some shots I, I thought he has had some potential he'll he'll pop every once in a while and maybe in this very last stretch of the season he he can get some more time I'm not saying he's going to be awesome or anything um but someone who I think I at the very least would like to see a, a little bit more of it and I would put even Isaiah Hicks in that category as well the 23 year old out of North Carolina also played a, a fair amount of time in Westchester I think a guy who has NBA athleticism maybe not quite big enough to be a starting center but someone who maybe could work into that dallas backup five type of role that we've seen so many guys thrive in uh and, and an excellent rebounder played on one of the best offensive rebounding teams ever in college basketball that north carolina team last season another guy who at least you know when he's out there you're not like oh man this guy has no chance of being an nba player you know he, he looks like he belongs at least athletically and uh oh i guess we forgot the unicornet on here i guess we talked about him a little bit more in the last 15 and 16 minutes spent a ton of time uh, on him. well one other quick point i want to make with dotson it's frustrating that the knicks have so many twos that can't guard threes because 
they don't really have the flexibility as, as much and you know with Hardaway having the contract and I, they've played Courtney Lee you know they, they've had those guys but I think of both of them as more twos than threes do you agree with me oh yeah for sure I mean a lot of and them if are... and if Frank is if they're going to use him as a two then that exacerbates it even more yeah I agree and Frank is he going to be a good enough shooter to play the two I just I, I really wonder about that you know like I think he can kind of work his way into being able to hit spot ups but you know he's not a guy who's going to come off of screens to shoot a three or you know re- really be a guy that the other team respects a ton and that's really what's needed you need a not just an adequate shooter at the two but a plus shooter at the two and that's why I think to me this idea oh we're going to play him at the two I, I just don't think he can be special enough there to be a starter at the one he could really be great in some areas then maybe he's good enough shooting the ball that that it's adequate but if he's your two I think he just kind of gets lost in the shuffle with all the these other guys it's having that positional size at the one that is really his path to success to me and considering how young he is I wouldn't want to foreclose really on too much with him but that's kind of how I see it at this point I guess we've gone full circle from the the start of this section uh anything else you want to say or shall we uh turn in here well I'll plug a couple things I wrote a piece for real GM on the CBA encyclopedia about hardship something that I've become more familiar with due to the warriors and the 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 rules on that and kind of that I also included the full text because why not and then for the athletic I did the I it's been called in previous iterations the space race but my current projection for how much cap space there is collectively around the league I changed my calculation format a little bit I got more aggressive with teams that I don't think are going to be willing to pay the luxury tax and the current number is 280 million which is quite a bit different than the 1 billion it was in 2016 yeah I'd be interested to read that I think it would be an interesting companion to that piece I put out on Patreon it's not really a piece but it's just a a chart basically of my subjective evaluations of how much space there's going to be I think your number would you say yours was 280 280 yeah yeah so mine and this doesn't include any exceptions this is just basically any team that's over the cap I counted them as zero so I'm not including exceptions but I was at 242 in just cap space that I projected to be available and obviously a lot of that can change with player option decisions and whether you keep cap holds on the books for restricted free agents or free agents or whether non-guarantees are picked up or whatever but uh so yeah I think yours our estimates are probably going to end up being pretty similar you might even be a little bit more conservative about the amount of free cap space that's available um because I I would guess you let me ask this you remember off the top of your head how many teams did you have as no cap space and unlikely to use even the full mid-level exception I think it was like seven or eight something in that range i believe let me see who who would i have in that list so i would have you know boston is probably pretty close depending maybe if they move on from smart they might use it charlotte not going to cleveland if lebron comes back not going to denver not going to probably detroit probably not gonna have the space golden state houston not gonna have the space memphis kind of right on the borderline they probably will miami will be close although maybe they'd be willing. i mean some of these teams might be willing to go into the tax but you know really if you're doing that then you only got six million until your hard cap that's kind of difficult also new orleans probably not gonna have the space okc probably not gonna have it portland probably not gonna have it toronto not gonna have it washington so that's one two three four five six 
so that's 15 teams that not only won't have cap space but probably won't even have the ability to use the full mid-level that is a capped out league man it's crazy and there aren't even that many trade exceptions yet there could be some created this offseason because when you have more teams over the cap you can create more trade exceptions so there isn't that much fluidity yet i think some of that's going to come in future years when the balance gets closer to right but yeah this is going to be a crazy offseason then the next piece i have for the athletic which i i have already written but it's not out yet is going through the teams that have space and what's so striking there is just how little space those teams have it's like a lot of them are one and done you know like they can sign one guy if they want to and it's this is this offseason we're going to get into it for dunked on we'll do previews for every team it's everybody's going to have to calibrate their expectations because it's going to be so different from everything that's come before it well everything that's come before it in the last maybe five years you know i think this is more uh, but even then you know you didn't have quite the constraints under the old uh 2005 cba you didn't have the constraints of this luxury tax that you know at least half the teams are probably just never going to go over Uh, so there's also that aspect of it where before it was okay yeah we'll at least use every team basically had the full mid-level exception available there wasn't a hard cap there wasn't the mini mid-level you know there wasn't all that stuff so uh, yeah maybe you're right maybe this really will be the most restricted summer that that we've ever seen um so but very interesting all right that'll do it Uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow hoping to maybe do a catch up on the playoff race if not a few other things as well not sure precisely what we're doing there yet but you know that we will be there for you in this most wonderful time of year as we get into the very end of the season talk to y'all tomorrow Support for today's show comes from yourmechanic.com. They send the mechanic right to your home or office and give you a quote up front. It's the actual price that you pay. So if your car won't start, check engine light is bugging you, you can visit yourmechanic.com slash capspace. Easy to remember that slash capspace URL to schedule an appointment and let them know that you came from us. For a limited time, you'll even get $20 off your first service or you can call at 800-701-6230 or visit again yourmechanic.com slash capspace. Let them know that you came from us.